So no one told you DC's gonna beat Steve Fay. You're talking about our pokes, you sound fucking insane. You think that Steve Fay's got a second gear. Well, DC's gonna keep his bell next week, next month, and even all year. But I'll be there for you to recap it all. I'll be there for you like I've been there before. I'll be there for you because you're there for me too. Do, 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 do. I would like to apologize, A, for having listened to that, and B, to all the Stipe fans that listen to this podcast, because I love you, and I do love Stipe. Uh, particularly, I want to apologize to Joe Quigley, because I love that guy, and I'm sure he's annoyed at me um, right now, and uh, yeah. What is up, everybody? Welcome, guys and gals, to the Fighting With Myself podcast the podcast for the average MMA fan, hosted by an above-average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice. It has been a bit of a slower week in the world of mixed martial arts, and we had an interesting card last night. I say interesting because there were some interesting fights and a lot of interesting talking points coming out of it. But the biggest thing we're looking forward to here in this episode is UFC 241. So we'll do a quick we recap of uh, UFC Uruguay in Montevideo, and then we're going to get into your listener questions in the forum, talk about some current events before that, and a few matchups, and then we're going to preview UFC 241. A couple things off the top before I get started. I want to say thank you for everyone who listened uh, last week. Uh, that episode meant a lot to me. I was able to share my story about fighting fighting cancer and um happy to report after being one week removed from chemo i am feeling great and um my doctors say that's the only round i'll ever have to do not ever knock on wood but uh so far in the process they only predict one round and we're just going to keep monitoring it so i feel great and we're going to keep that positivity rolling and thank you guys so much everyone reached out it was awesome i mean the whole point of this podcast is to be interactive and uh, you know connect with fight fans. So everyone doing that has been just absolutely lovely. So keep it going. And I want to say also, um, anyone who is going through anything like that, feel free to reach out to me. You know, I would love to um, start a dialogue with you. That's the only way we can beat this thing is together. You know, strength in numbers and all that. Now, getting started here with UFC Uruguay, one of my favorite fights that I didn't cover last week, um, I did like the Chris Gutierrez um, versus um, De Freitas fight, and um, Chris Gutierrez I think is going to be a nice prospect to follow in that Bantamweight division. Um, he did an interview a little while back um, with uh, the Fight Addict, so you guys should check that out. Quick plug there for those guys, and um, I thought it was a really interesting interview, and um, obviously you know, it would have been better to watch it before. I should have blooded it later, but um, I was just thinking about that after afterward. Like, yeah, this guy's cool and um, awesome guy. It turns out he was born in um, Jersey City, which they said that, but he, I guess he moved to Texas when he was four, which kind of reminds me of myself um, because I was born in 
Orange County, then moved to Vegas when I was four, and Vegas is kind of my home. And now Jersey is, and I'm loving it. But um, that was a back-and-forth fight, uh, very bloody. I'm into it. And uh, that's all I have to say on that. But um, as far as the fights I cover, let's, let's do a quick recap here. Tisha Torres versus Marina Rodriguez. Now, I was looking forward to this. I was hoping Tisha was going to bounce back. I thought it was a good, you know, I don't know, quote-unquote tune-up fight. And that could not have been more wrong. And so I'll start by saying with the... I want to try something new this week. I want to kind of pull some questions from the forum in my recap and kind of um, get you guys, you know, part of the conversation early in that aspect. And um, one of the questions um, was from Jim Asun. He said, now after that performance by Torres, what do you think the UFC does with her? Hashtag ask FWM podcast. Love it. Uh, Great question, Jim. And the answer is quite simply, I don't know contractually they can cut her and that might happen which would suck i don't know that they should and i was just i was just looking at her record man it's it's sad because you know she was on a like a three or four five win streak um she had just come off the michelle watterson win and i thought this you know she was putting some wins together and then she took a fight against jessica andrage which was so risky i think that was when jessica was coming off a loss but um you know so she she needed to win more than tisha at that point and man, Jessica kind of wiped the floor with her, but I actually thought it was a great performance from Tisha. She was throwing up a lot of submissions. She was being very active whenever she was in bad positions. She just kind of got outclassed. And that sort of started like a kind of a losing streak for her. She's on a four-fight skid now, which sucks because her skills match up well with a good portion of the division. But in this fight, she looked kind of tentative and she looked like she was looking to counter-strike. But that the, the the right opportunities to counter never really came, which kind of was unfortunate because I'm, I'm not going to say Marina is a counter-striker as well because when you have two counter-strikers, it really makes for a bad matchup. But the that was kind of the flavor I was getting in this fight. I, I just thought that she, Tisha never really got going and she was waiting for an opportunity that never came. So in terms of that performance, I mean, if it was just a loss... Like maybe she showed some grit, overcame some adversity. I, w- I would say, no, they should keep her around. She's still, you know, like let's call her maybe a gatekeeper for that division, like a good litmus test for any up-and-coming prospects. You know, certainly was that for um, Wei Li Zhang. But after that, it's like, dude. And, and here's the thing also is like I think the UFC should look to add more weight classes to be more diverse you know, they're the Premier League in the organization and they're just missing some of the weight classes that other organizations have. And so someone like Tisha, even Michelle Watterson, uh, Jessica Penne, they can fight at Adam weight. 105. I think Bisping was saying on the broadcast you only cut like two pounds for this for this camp to make to make straw weight. Easy. Easy. So she can make 105, no problem. And that might suit her better. She certainly seemed like the size uh, or at least the reach um, ad, uh, advantage over Marina was was giving her problems. She was having trouble getting inside, and even the clinch, Marina seemed to kind of be stronger than her. It was just, I don't know, I, I wasn't I wasn't very impressed with Tisha, which I don't like to say because I I like Tisha, and it was it wasn't it wasn't the best performance. So I don't want to harp on it too much because it wasn't that exciting of a fight. But I like your question, Jim, and I wanted to highlight it here in the beginning here. 
Uh, moving on, though, Enrique Barzola versus Bobby Moffitt. That was a hell of a fight, in my opinion. And it was razor thin on paper as far as the significant strikes and everything. Um, I expected to see a lot more grappling. Maybe he just knew Bobby Moffitt had a good wrestling pedigree and was would be able to stop his takedowns. Because I, I don't remember Enrique throwing even one takedown. But uh, great matchup um, on the feet. And um, I had it for Enrique, but if you had it for Bobby, I wouldn't. I wouldn't complain. Um, things like that. And we'll get to that later with the Mike Perry fight. I think when it's so close like that, it's hard to call it a robbery either way. But I want to see Enrique get a ranked opponent next. He's he's put some nice wins together, and he's he's making waves in that featherweight division. So I hope he does crack the top fifteen eventually. Um, Volkan Uzdemir versus Alir Latifi. Wow, loved this fight. And I kind of said going in that I thought Aaliyah's wrestling was going to give Volkan problems. So shout out to everyone who predicted Volkan because I kind of was giving them shit. So now you get to give me shit. That's how this goes. Feel free. Um, I think I was giving Phil shit as well in the Fight Geek, probably. Um, dude, I thought Aaliyah's wrestling was going to kind of suplex him. And I could not have been more wrong. That fucking left hook from Volcan with the knee right before it closed the show, man. Oh, my God. No time is back. Um, I like that he said on the mic that he beat Reyes, which is awesome because he did. He did. And 205 is in a bit of a weird place. You don't really see him making a title run just yet, but it's certainly another step. Like maybe, I don't know, if Dominic Reyes beats Chris Weidman, there he's most likely getting a title shot. But if Chris Weidman wins, I don't know if they're necessarily going to give him a title shot. So if Chris Weidman wins in that fight, I could see Dominic, uh, not Dominic, I could see Chris versus Volkan. That would be a good fight. And even if he loses, maybe that's a good matchup to make as well. But Interesting. I'm very curious to see what's next for Vulcan. He's, I'm glad that he's back because Vulcan on losing streak was not was not good for that 205 division. And now we get to the co-main event of the evening. By the way, I like Joe Martinez. I know some of you guys complain, like, where's Buffer? Um, but aside from showing his bias um, toward the um, the Latino fighters, um, I, I think Joe Martinez a lot is like, Senores y senoras, welcome to UFC Uruguay. Like, I love it. I love everything about it. And um, this question from Phil, the MMA dude, um, really kind of seems to be the talking point around this fight. So I wanted to highlight it. I want to give my thoughts on it. Phil says, how do you score Perry versus Luque? I thought Perry, Perry definitely got the win. I give the second and third to Mike, but there's even an argument that he won the first, in my opinion. Home cooking? And there's a couple of thoughts I have on this. Now, I did score it for Luke, but I could see a, a, a scorecard for Perry. No problem. And I kind of like, when it's a fight like that, I sort of stop scoring it because um, ultimately I don't think it matters. You know, the judges are going to score it how the judges are going to score it. And that's, you know, we can't change history. So um, I, I'm not one of those that keeps a scorecard and they have like certain apps that you can do that or whatever. Like, oh, on my card, I had him winning. Like, it doesn't really matter. But 
um, it's good to to know that, and it's and it's good to score it because then you can look at it objectively. I certainly um, am very not objective when it comes to my um, fight watching, but um, I thought Luke won the first, and then the next two were close. So if you say Perry um, Perry got it, I got no problem with that. But in my opinion, when it comes to those kind of fights, like I didn't even look at the numbers. I, I bet the strikes were pretty even, but they both did a ton of damage. Um, Luke hit him with that huge knee, which turned Mike Perry into Mike Orlovsky. I mean, God damn that nose. Holy shit. And to survive that guillotine. I mean, here's the thing that probably, I don't think you get points for getting out of a submission, but the threat of the submission, I think does give some weight, at least in, in my opinion, I'm, I'm not too up on the fine points of the rules because they change them all the time when it comes to judging criteria. But I think when Perry got out of that guillotine, everyone kind of like was like impressed with his toughness, uh, like kind of like Wonder Boy against Tyron Woodley, and everyone's like, oh my God, he got out of it. I mean, I, I thought Mike Perry was going to go to sleep, to be honest. I mean, when he was hanging in there and punching, I, I thought, okay, yeah, he's probably not going to go out. But I thought, I was like, Mike Perry's not going to tap. He's going to fucking go to sleep in his guillotine or pass out from loss of blood. I mean, holy Christ, man, that was that was like the, the blood probably uh, helped him get out of it. But that was awesome. Dude, I loved that fight. I loved everything about it. I was so like, not nervous, but like, you know, I always, when it comes back to certain matchups like that, I always go back to like Lewis versus Ngannou because everyone going to the fight I was like, don't blink. Oh my God, this is going to be a banger. Fireworks, two heavy hitters. And we got the worst fight in UFC history. Name a worse one. Name a worse one. I would like. I would like to watch it. To be honest with you, I really would. Uh, I'm sure there is, but uh, Mike Perry versus Vincente Luque did not disappoint. Uh, the MMA gods smiled upon us in that matchup, and uh, I love Vicente Luque. Um, we're going to talk about what's next for him in a little bit uh, because there was an interesting question from Uzi, and I'm going to disagree with him. So we'll get to that. Um, did I say Uzi? I meant Pam. I'm sorry, Pam. Uh, but moving on from from that fight, let's get to the um, ma- the main event of the evening, as Joe Martinez would say. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko versus Liz Carmouche. Um, I thought this was a good fight, and it's kind of what I expected. Uh, Liz very tough, and she's got great jujitsu, good takedowns. But um, Valentina's very strong in her wrestling and. Uh, Counter wrestling is very good, and she's got good jujitsu as well. Um, so I wanted to highlight a question from Ashley, the MMA nerd. She says, and you guys should check out her podcast, obviously, and Phil's, uh, obviously, the Split Decision podcast. Forgot to mention his. Um, both two that I look forward to every single week. Um, Phil and the Fikey do a great job, and um, Ashley does a good job as well. Uh, she says, are you one of those that finds fights like the main event boring, or are you a, quote, appreciate the technique type? And I'll say a little bit of both. I didn't find this particular fight boring, but I certainly wouldn't watch it again. And it reminds me of um, Wonder Boy versus Woodley 2. Um, this, I think, was probably more exciting than that, but um, I'll get to that in a second. The The first fight with Tyron and uh, Wonder Boy was pretty damn exciting. I believe it even won Fight of the Night um, on that card, which was a stacked card, UFC 205. And um, there was a lot of moments where both guys looked close to finishing the fight. And I was like, holy shit. This is awesome. And then the rematch 
I thought was a little soon, but I was still like, okay, maybe this is going to be Wonder Boy's time. Maybe, you know, or Tyron's going to get an emphatic finish because he was mad that he even had to take the fight. And so the whole fight, I was on the edge of my seat waiting for something to happen. And not unlike a, I didn't feel too disappointed at the end when there wasn't. I mean, there was a big flurry from Tyron at the end, but the whole time, like that excitement and that knowledge of what could happen was keeping me going in that fight. And that's kind of the same thing that happened here. The whole time I'm thinking, if Valentina hits her with a fucking head kick, she's going to be done for. Or if Liz gets her fucking hands around her throat, she's going to put her to sleep. Like both at both from both sides, I was like, either one of them could end this at at a certain point. I mean, probably going to the fourth and fifth round, I was like, okay, we're probably going to see a decision here. But um, Liz um, on the bottom was kind of using her jiu-jitsu to control Valentina, but Valentina was heavy on top. So the kind of the stalemate aspect of the, of the grappling was very interesting to me because I thought Liz could uh, not dominate, but I thought she maybe had an advantage with that 10th planet black belt. But um, Valentina showed that um, she's so well-rounded and um, certainly was getting the better of her on the feet. I think Liz was kind of, I won't say scared to engage. Like that's not um, fair. And I don't think that's accurate, but um, it looked like she was content to kind of, play from the outside and try and blitz in or whatever, but Valentina fucking waited. I mean, she's a, you know, straight Muay Thai that just stay in a plant. So I, I did enjoy this fight. And, um, I certainly, I certainly get people that thought it was boring. I mean, we just had Luke versus Perry right before that. And that's the thing that sucks sometimes is like placement, um, on a card matters. Like, I remember UFC 223, I believe, um, in Brooklyn. I saw this live. And Moicano versus Calvin Cater was a bit of a like technical fight, but it wasn't too boring. It was just sort of like really... They were evenly matched, and they were kind of both landing kind of good shots. But it came right after Zabit versus Bokniak, which was bananas and so we got spoiled and there was a bunch of other good fights before then as well and everyone was like booing them and i was like guys this fight isn't that bad so i kind of i kind of think that plays into it a lot like we just had a war where mike perry got his face rearranged and his head almost popped off and vicente luque ate some bombs from mike perry and then we're like okay now what and and then I don't. I don't want to say Valentina's overhyped, but I certainly think when you call this girl a killer and she's had like two title defenses, like we haven't seen all what she can do. I, I believe she can be uh, a lot, and um, certainly the way she took out Jessica I was scary. But uh, Liz is no joke, man. She's a fucking former Marine Corps. Uh, I mean, formerly in the Marine Corps, she's a former Marine. Saddam, a, f- a former Marine Corps. What am I saying? But um, massive respect for that and comes from a good camp. So I kind of was expecting a decision here. Um, I think um, uh, I was listening to the Deadbeat MMA podcast. I think there's probably some good money on uh, a five-round decision for Valentina, like uh, like a prop bet for saying that it would go the distance. Um, I don't look into that stuff because I am not a gambler. Uh, I was raised by one, or not really, but um, I just – We'll never gamble. So uh, those are kind of my thoughts on UFC Uruguay. I want to sort of 
put a pin in it because there are some questions about it in the forum, but most of them are regarding UFC 241, and that's what I want to talk about a lot more in this podcast because it's going to be a hell of a fucking fight card, and I'm so excited. So uh, let's just take a quick break, and we'll get into some current events. And we're back. Not a lot of um, things of note happened over the week. But um, a few matchups were announced that I find interesting. Um, one bit of news before I get into the matchups, I uh, noticed that uh, Israel Adesanya signed with Paradigm Management. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's uh, Conor McGregor's um, agency. I mean, agency that he's represented by with Adi Attar. And um, formerly, Tony Ferguson was represented by them. I saw some people saying that um, he was still, uh, in case you missed it, I reported on this podcast. I'm not reported, but we talked about it. He left Paradigm. Um, several weeks ago, before the Cowboy fight, he, um, I think, signed with uh, Balangi Group, represented, um, who represents um, Eddie Alvarez, Vitor Belfort, those those guys. Um, but uh, Israel Adesanya signing with Paradigm was news for me for a couple reasons. One, um, the fact that it's shared with Connor makes me think that um, the UFC had some hand in that transaction. Um, the fact that they've seen the way Connor's promoted because of that, um, they kind of want to build up Israel to be that caliber of a star, especially for that market with the Australian New Zealand market. And um, we saw this happen with Cody Garbrandt. Um, he's represented by Ali. That's not what I'm talking about. But um, Lorenzo um, introduced Connor McGregor to David August, his tailor, uh, which of course caused the um, August McGregor. Um, line and a partnership that they have going on but um, they did that with Cody Garbrandt as well they wanted to kind of sharpen his look and so they um, hooked him up with uh, David August so those kind of similarities I think are of note here uh, because I think you know if Israel can get past Whitaker uh, that already was going to turn into, into a massive star but I think the UFC is just going to start pushing him a lot more and I think if uh, Israel wins that title fight which is a tough task don't get me wrong um, Robert Whitaker is as tough as they come and um, one of the more um, well-rounded champions I think but uh, he if Israel wins I think they maybe do a, a fucking uh, UFC Africa card with him and Camaro at the top of the bill maybe get Francis Ngannou in there as well I mean, dude, it's a no-brainer. But that's the last thing, uh, news-wise, that came across my eyes, save for a few matchups. Um, so the first one that um, piqued my interest was Corey Anderson versus Johnny Walker. That's happening at UFC 244 at Madison Square Garden, November 2nd. Um, sad about this because it's going to be so close to me, but I probably won't go. Um, if you listen to earlier episodes of this podcast, you know that I hate MSG. It's garbage. Um, we'll get into that maybe later. But uh, it's going to be a hell of a card. I mean, certainly when you go to the most famous arena in the world, uh, and the, the biggest dump in the world, I'm just kidding, uh, you have to bring the talent, and that's going to deliver. Johnny Walker is a fucking sensation, and Corey Anderson is a beast. Um, he's got that legit wrestling, and he just kind of puts on a pace. So if he can weather the storm, I mean, we did see him get laid out by Jimmy Manoa. We can't forget that. We also saw him get, I think, head kicked into oblivion uh, by OSP. He was winning that fight, though. He was he was putting it on OSP early. So there are some interesting talking points there because it's a big risk for Corey Anderson. He was campaigning for a title shot for a long time, and it never happened. 
Um, even though Ali is his manager, those guys seem to get title shots all the time. I think he's just so boring that they didn't want to give him a title shot. And here's Johnny Walker. He's a fucking, you know, half fighter, half male stripper walking to the cage like he's going to fucking give someone a lap dance and then knocking people out in 15 seconds and doing the worm. I mean, the guy is must-see TV. So here's the guy. If he wins, of course they're going to give him a title shot. So I, I like this fight because it has stakes. Um, I think Corey Anderson's probably one win away from a title shot. If he beats Johnny Walker, he should get a title shot. And definitely, um, being that Corey Anderson had that momentum, if Johnny Walker beats him, he should take that momentum and and he'll get a title shot. So um, that's definitely an interesting matchup. And it's fun. I got Johnny Walker personally, but I wouldn't be surprised if Corey Anderson could pull it out because his wrestling is legit for that division. But moving on, um, another matchup that I want to see is, uh, well, we're going to get to see, and I'm, I'm glad we do, uh, Zabit versus Calvin Cater as the co-main for UFC Boston. And this is kind of interesting to me for a couple reasons. So Zabit, it was talked about that he might face Brian Ortega. That fell through. was talked about that he might you know, face a year again. We were promised that matchup before. And so... There was a lot of talking points in that division. We might have even, you know, seen him versus Korean Zombie. I think that was maybe thrown around. But ultimately, they landed on Calvin Cater, and I don't hate it. Um, Calvin Cater's got legit boxing. I think Jeremy Stevens gave Zabit some problems. Um, that was a closer fight than uh, most of Zabit's fights have been. And um, Calvin does have the tools to pull something off here. And certainly, um, he's a Boston guy, so... You want it makes you wonder who are they making this fight for? Because it seems like they've been they're feeding Zabit's favorable matchups. He's another uh, guy that's represented by Ali, and so it's um, it stands to reason that they want him to uh, get a title shot. You know, very shortly. And I don't know if Calvin Cater is the guy to do it off of. The guy's a beast. So let's see. But that's that's fun, and that's going to be the co-main at UFC Boston right before uh, Dominic Reyes and Chris Weidman. So good stuff there. And then the last thing that kind of intrigues me, but I'm also kind of weary about it, I just wanted to talk about it, is um, Holly Holm versus Raquel Pennington, uh, announced for UFC 243. And I like that Holly wants to get back on the horse after uh, suffering defeat from Amanda Nunes, but I can't help but wonder if it's a little soon. I mean, yes, she did beat Raquel, but... They're both at points in their career where I don't want to say it favors Raquel, but it probably does more so than their first fight. I mean, uh, Raquel definitely went longer for Amanda, longer against Amanda. So this is an interesting matchup. And I, and I like both girls, so I'm always torn when they make these kind of fights because I, I always like to, I don't know, have at least at least one fighter that I don't want to win. And uh, I don't know who I want to win this. Because they both need a win. I mean, certainly Holly Holm winning is good for the UFC. And um, since Tisha lost, someone's got to win in that family. Oh, that's terrible. But it should be a good fight. I think it's different than the first fight. I think it plays out a lot differently. And I think Raquel's probably going to take it to her early Maybe uh, glean some stuff from that Amanda fight. Who knows? And I guess that wraps up the current event segment, which is good because we've got a lot to cover in the forum. So we'll be right back. 
Boom, bitches. Welcome to the forum. This is where we get input from other five fans, friends of the show, friends of yours and mine, uh, from the MMA community. It's the best part of the show. Look forward to it every week. And without further ado, uh, let's get right into it. This question pertains to um, last week's card in Newark, um, but it is about a potential matchup that kind of emerged from that, and it's a conversation I think worth having. Hey, Juice. It's your boy. I said dude a lot. I got a serious question. Actually, serious question. If we get Colby and Kamaru, how much race bullshit, whether it's low-key or overt, how much of that shit do you expect before this fight? I'm expecting a fuckload. Let's be real. It's it's going to be ridiculous, and Colby being the heel that he is or playing the heel that he does, how long do you think it takes before he brings up the, that Kamaru is from Nigeria and tries to play on it a little bit, thinking it, it's a fucking joke? I don't know. I expect a fucking shitstorm. Well, as soon as they announce the fight. Anyway, have a great day. Now, this is a great question because I think there are some truths to that. And um, hopefully, we don't see that. Um, I would hope that not only Colby and Kamaru, but the UFC can learn from um, the Connor and Khabib fight. The buildup to that was so nasty. And in saying that, I'm already realizing that that was the highest selling pay-per-view in UFC history. So, uh, I mean, part of that is Conor McGregor is the biggest star and Khabib is a star on his own as well. So the kind of, that was the perfect storm. But I think all that controversy probably added to it for the casual fans. So it sucks that we are probably going to have to deal with this. But I will say this, in, in looking back, uh, I think if you're on one side of the political spectrum, it's easy to say um, Colby is saying some things that can be gleaned as racist. But if you just take a transcript of what he has said, very little, if any, has actually been racist or homophobic or anything like that. But he certainly uh, insinuated some of those things. Now, they would be smart to steer away from that. And I would hope that they have a good moderator, you know, and any sort of things like that to kind of separate that. But at the same time, it's part of this story. It's part of the story that, um, you know, Colby is supported by Donald Trump, who uh, does not want to, um, you know, wants to lock kids in cages and, and close the borders. And it's important that Kamaro is an immigrant, came over here from Nigeria. Now he did, do a good percent of his growing up in like I believe Texas or somewhere. So he's um I think a good testament to the American story. I mean he even said at one point he said, I'm more American than Colby. This is what you know the American dream is about. So I would hope that they highlight Kamaru more in terms of building him up as a champion and selling his background because he's got an amazing story. But it it's worth keeping an eye on. So because that matchup hasn't even actually been officially announced I'm not going to give more thoughts on it yet, but I think we should put a pin on this and keep talking about it and keep our eye on it. But great question, dude.
this is Epley underscore junior again. Um, so last week I had asked a question that wasn't even related and said there needs to be more of those, so I figured I'd be that guy who asked those every week. So, uh, my question is, what was your very first vehicle you had? And do you miss it? And what vehicle do you drive now? That's it. Epley underscore junior. Great question. I love it. I hope you guys could hear that. Um, I want to say to everyone in the future, if, if you listen to your question back and it sounds uh, the, the quality isn't like something you'd want to hear on a podcast, um, maybe re-record if you can. Um, for now, I'm going to keep playing as much as I can until I get too much negative feedback. Um, but I think those, you know, it's important to hear everyone's voice in this because that's uh, part of the goal of this podcast. But, uh, great question. Um, I always feel like I have several answers to this question because... Um, when I was younger and first starting driving, I had a car for a little bit, and then it would like get passed on because I have you know several siblings and all that, and different things happen at different times. So um, when I got my license, the first car that I was driving was um, uh, my grandpa's Cadillac um, that I inherited after he passed. It's like a '94 um, Eldorado, and man, that thing was fucking sweet. It was a V8. Um, North Star engine, which is one of the best engines of that time. And uh, the thing was fucking smooth. I felt like an actual pimp going to high school in that thing. And uh, just general riding around town. It was a beautiful car. Um, I love Cadillacs to this day because of that. But very quickly, and, and I, as soon as I graduated college, I, or as soon as I graduated high school, we knew that I was going to college in LA. So my parents wanted to give me a smaller car because there's no fucking parking in LA. And of course, my dad wanted to be able to drive the Cadillac from time to time. So um, I got a Mazda Protege, like a 2000 Mazda Protege from this fucking um, shady car dealership in Utah, um, which is kind of redundant because all car dealerships in Utah are shady. Let's be honest. Uh, but I love that car. I used to drive to Vegas in that car. Um, St. George, Utah is about a two-hour drive from Vegas, where I, my parents live. And uh, I you know, went to high school in Vegas and grew up there pretty much my whole uh, life. So I used to go visit my friends, um, James and Skye. Shout out to them. I don't think they listen to this podcast, but um, we used to have the most amazing parties. It's bringing me back. Um, yeah, love those guys just like fucking smoke weed all night and, and party our fucking asses off. And then I would hungover drive back the next morning, which is probably a terrible idea. But now I drive actually a Prius and, um, really just because I needed a commuter car and, uh, that was the best deal that I found at this lot. It wasn't like I was looking for that. That just kind of happened. Um, although I missed my i3 before I, when I was living in LA, I had a BMW i3. Actually I had two back to back and I fucking love that car all electric it's the shit so i want to go back to that and hopefully i'll be getting another one in the next couple of months that's a little insight to my life but moving on uh, this question is from josh all right man this is josh with all dumb posts i want to talk about uruguay real quick i just want to say is mike perry ever going to be able to breathe out of his nose again that was fucking awesome and nasty all at the same time all right moving on to the card next week this is going to be a bomb ass card bro five of the six fighters in the last three fights i think are probably easy ufc hall of famers and i think it's going to be a great card pettis and diaz 
Not sure what's going to happen there. I think Stipe is going to get his revenge in the main event, but I'm super biased with Stipe being probably my favorite fighter. Uh, either way, I think Stipe was winning the first fight up until Daniel landed the perfect shot. I'm going to say the perfect shot, not lucky, because it was well-trained and well-landed. But either way, I think Stipe gets his revenge. Let me know what you think. Great question. It's interesting that you say five of the last six uh, fighters on the card of the last three fights are Hall of Famers. I would, I'm probably guessing you're excluding Paulo Costa, and you should, because fuck that guy. But uh, I agree with you, man. I am so excited. I think those three fights alone, I mean, they could literally put all the rest of the fights on free TV and have the pay-per-view only those three fights. And I think you would get the same amount of buys. I don't think uh, the other two fights, uh, Brunson Heinish and uh, Sadiq Youssef versus Gabriel Benitez, I don't think those are adding much value to the pay-per-view. I'm excited about those fights as a hardcore fan who has seen them fight and wants to see where they go in the future. But um, money-wise and value, uh, I don't think they're adding much. So I love those last three fights, man, especially Pettis and Diaz. We're going to get to them in a little bit. Um, with a question from my man Smokey J, but uh, so excited, so excited, man. Um, Stipe versus DC. I'm gonna get to that in a little bit when I give my. I mean, you guys know that I don't really give my predictions anymore because it's all fucking up in the air with MMA, and um, who cares if I'm fucking right or wrong, right? Um, but um, obviously, I showed my bias at the beginning of this. Um, I'm a massive DC fan. And um, I learned that about myself after their first fight um, because I knew I was a DC fan. Um, and I thought going into it that I was maybe a, a little bit more of a fan of Stipe. Um, but when I, and I was just like so kind of mad that it happened, not mad, like when the, when the matchup was announced, I was like, man, I'm going to be sad either way because I love both guys. They're both awesome. They're both, you know, great family men, you know. Stipe, when he broke the record for title defenses, you know, he was like, they're like, you, you're the greatest heavyweight ever in terms of title defenses. What do you think? He's like, fuck that. I'm going to be a dad. And I thought that was just an amazing moment. And uh, I remember calling my, my, one of my best friends, Leo, um, he's a Patriots fan cause, um, he's uh, terrible, but, um, I mean, I don't fucking like sports ball at all, but uh, he does. And, uh, when, Tom Brady, I think, won the five Super Bowls in a row, or maybe not in a row, but total. He was like, Tom Brady's the best of all time. That's it. Tom Brady's the best of all time. So I called I called him on the phone right away because we we're on opposite coast by then. And I was like, Steve is the best heavyweight of all time. That's it. That's it. He's the best heavyweight of all time. That's it. Uh, so I love it. Um, and uh, St- uh, Leo and I were both uh, really high on that fight. So I love I love Stipe. But when he lost the first fight, I, re- I just remember being so happy for DC that it outweighed uh, my sad feelings about uh, Stipe that I realize that I'm a bigger DC fan than I am a Stipe fan. And Stipe is probably my second favorite heavyweight of all time, uh, favorite being Frank Mir, um, big Frank Mir fan. And uh, Stipe is like right below him. And I think highly of Stipe's skills, but from what I saw in the first fight, I don't know what he can do to do better. I think DC maybe has his number. I'm not to say he's better than him or whatever. Certain matchups, you know, are always going to go the other guy's way, kind of. I mean, like like Charles Oliveira and Nick Lentz have fought three times, and I think Charles won all of them. I mean, certain things like that are just not, you know, going to go differently, and that's fine. But who knows? I could be wrong. Could be very wrong. And 
By the way, I encourage if Stipe wins, which is a possibility, I can see that. If Stipe wins, please, please uh, make me my words. Please come after me and uh, shove it in my face. I deserve it. Um, I'm not going to shove it in your face, but I will probably uh, dance around because I'll be happy for DC. Um, but but definitely, um, I want to say that I'm not as biased as I'm making it sound. I love both guys a lot. Um, and yeah, R.I.P. Perry's nose, man. Holy fuck. If he breathes again, I mean, he obviously still breathing. Otherwise, he'll, you uh, wouldn't be fighting. I mean, like, Arlovsky is still fighting with that damn thing. So, dude, if he... I mean, I think I think if medical advancements are are such now that and he has access to the health healthcare through the UFC, they're definitely going to take care of his bill on that when it comes to the surgery. But I think they cut. They're you know going to jump on it right away so they can fix it and his nose is going to be regular. But I would not be surprised if it looked like that for you know essentially the rest of his life or the rest of his fighting career. Like, uh, man, if if he ended up being like the smaller version of Arlovsky, like a little twin, that would be fucking hilarious. Because now I like realize, like, oh, yeah, they kind of look alike. It's interesting. But, wow, that was an amazing fight. Wow. Love it. What's up, Juice? It's your boy, Gangus. <laughs> it's not Gangus. It's I Say Doodle Lot. Something's happening here. We're having some technical difficulties here on the Funny With Myself podcast. I'm in disguise. Anyway, Superstone. I want to say fuck these fights tonight. Some decent fights didn't do much for me. All I want to talk about is what's nearest and dearest to my heart. Nate motherfucking Diaz. He got Showtime Pettis. Big test in front of him. Who you got? You know who I got. Who do you got, Juice? Break down a little analysis. You probably already covered this earlier on the show. And everybody's like, this motherfucker asking questions we already covered. But I got to know what's up. What you think. What's up, DM crew? Hope everybody had a good night. Late. I love it. I didn't cover it because I was waiting for your question. I say do a lot. Um, Love the shout out to the DM crew. Um, they know who they are. Um, I had to leave that group for uh, reasons I will not say, but uh, um, it was fun while it lasted, as far as that um, little thread anyway. Dude, I am so back and forth on this fight. Now, I love Nate Diaz. He's fucking awesome. But I lean Pettis on this. A, the layoff. B, momentum. I mean... What he did to Wonderboy was just insane. you got to think he's coming there with a lot of confidence. Um, and I think stylistically he matches up well with Nate Diaz. I don't know. I just think it'll be a really fun fight. I'm looking forward to whatever happens. I, I, won't, be, uh, I won't be sad either way. I, I think they're going to deliver. I don't think it's going to be a boring fight at all. I think there's genuine um, dislike there. Maybe not on both sides. Nate certainly does not like Pettis, and um, I think uh, I think Pettis is responding to that. I, I think if Nate didn't have a problem with him, he'd be fine. But the fact that Nate does have a problem with him, he's like, okay, then well, then fuck you then too. Let's go. So it's going to be great. And I'm from California. Nate's from Northern California. There's a little bit of like a 
I feel like NorCal people and so SoCal people don't always see eye to eye. So that's not like, you know, we're not going to always be on the same page there with that. So um, I don't I'll always feel like I have to stand behind them. But um, I usually re I rep for uh, the Diaz brothers whenever they fight. But this one, I'm going with Pettis, man. Um, I like Pettis a lot. And I think he can get it done here. But who knows? Who knows? And who knows the answer to Smokey J's question, which we're, you're about to hear right now. Juice fighting with myself podcast at FWM underscore pod. It's Smokey J here from Australia. And first of all, man, I just wanted to say fucking like what a bunch of absolute legends printed out that fucking bad drawing of you and wore it as a mask. That shit was the highlight of my fucking Twitter experience. Yeah, that was awesome. The real question is, man, on a scale of 1 to fucking 10, with 10 being like the highest, how confident are you uh, that Nate Diaz is actually going to make it back into the octagon next week? Bye. Oh, man, I love it. Uh, I love that we got two bong rips that time. It was like he was so overwhelmed by the uh, the fact that people wore his drawing as a mask and it was my face that he had to do another bong rip just to fucking cope. Oh, man, I love it. Um, so let's get to that. Actually, uh, first of all, love the shout out at the beginning. Hashtag bad drawings. Always do that because um, it's it's great. You should plug your shit on here. And um, if you guys don't follow Smokey J, what the hell are you doing listening to this podcast? Go follow him instead. I mean, both. That's not what I mean. Uh, definitely don't leave me. I need you. But um, his drawings are an awesome part of our, our community. I look forward to them a, a lot. And uh, I was so glad that he did one of me. <laughs> it looked really cool actually and so i was like dude if anyone fucking prints this out and wears it as a mask um i'm gonna shout you out on the podcast and a bunch of people did it dude it was awesome uh so let me shout those guys out um at gino peppers you're the man um love weezer uh turns out this guy's favorite band is weezer i love that fucking weezer's great and um i'm buddy from mma marks uh this was uh the creepiest one of them, but it turns out it wasn't edit, so it wasn't exactly. But he kind of made the cutout look like it was his mouth. Uh, it was it was uh, sensational, and um, shout out uh, Long John eight five nine as well on Twitter. Um, printed printed that out actually at his work, so he risked um, ridicule from other people. And um, Uzi for Prez, I mean Pam. Um, I'm sorry, Uzi U Uzi for Pam. Um, did it as well so shout out all you guys you're fucking great um despite the um i don't know hazing on twitter you guys are fucking great um and to answer your other question smoky j how confident am i well at this point i'm like a 9.5 as far as if he'll step into the cage now if you'd asked me that question when the matchup was announced i probably would have said two because initially it looked like contracts weren't signed and it was just like, you know, I thought they were honey dicking us again. And everyone likes to say that Nate Diaz, T uh, the Diaz brothers in general, like tease returns. I don't think that is ex 
actually true. I think that too much hype is around them that some of these things get announced prematurely before anything actually is like put pen to paper. And so, you know, people are saying they turn down fights or whatever. I don't think they turn down fights. I think they're just not interested in the fights that people want to see them in. And so they're like, nah, fuck that. That doesn't make sense for me. I'm already the champion. I slapped Khabib two years ago, whatever. Um, which is really dumb actually. But, um, at this point, the fact that he, like that promo that they showed last night at UFC Uruguay, where he was like, he was big leaguing me. Like, I don't think he would go through all that and not make it to the cage. I just don't think so. I think once he's committed, like they don't actually pull out a fight. So I think they just, they get a little non-committal in the beginning, but once fucking pen is to paper and they actually have done some promo, I think, I think Nate really wants this fight. I think he thinks that he could have been champion back in the day. If, uh, you know, when Pettis was the champion, um, I think he thinks that, um, he should have gotten that fight. You know, the Diaz brothers consider themselves champion. And, um, I think this will be an interesting fight because, um, the Diaz brothers don't ever think that they lose decisions. So um, if it does go to decision, they're probably going to say that they still won and he's going to retire. Who knows? But I'm really looking forward to this fight. I think it's going to be insane. I can't wait. All right. Interesting question from my man, Punk Rock Dad. What's up, Juice? It's the Punk Rock Dad. Uh, today I want to talk about Frankie Edgar dropping down the Bantamweight. Um, obviously I think it's a good move, but who do you think they match him up with first? I have a sneaking suspicion they're going to give him Uriah. Give him, uh, one of the other, you know, the other old dog in the division and see who actually deserves to be there and who should be moving forward for a title shot. All right, as always, rock on, and only way is MMA. Step your game up, brother. Now, this is an interesting question because I think if... Uriah didn't look good in his comeback, uh, or even if he didn't like, come back at all, people wouldn't be calling this for this fight because I think maybe some some of you are forgetting. I'm not saying um, I'm not saying the punk rock dad is, but I, I'm I'm saying a lot of people probably are forgetting that they already fought at featherweight years ago, and that was a little weird at that time. But this time it kind of makes sense. So I don't know why they would do it, but I don't hate it. Um, certainly at Bantamweight, it gives it a fresh coat of paint, if you will. And it kind of adds a little bit more intrigue. And at that point it is sort of like vying for that spot of who does deserve to be here of, of the old dogs. So I like it in that sense. Um, I do, but I almost would rather see, you know, see him versus someone like, uh, the winner of Sanhagen and a Sun Sal, which is kind of weird, but, um, those are both, you know, legit contenders in that division. So I, I would think a one over Frankie would be good for them. And vice versa, if Frankie can get past those guys, it kind of proves that he does belong in that division. So, hey, but I, but I also don't hate the Uriah fight. I would like to see it at Bantamweight. I think that, and, and this is what I like about Frankie moving down, is like there's there's plenty of matchups for him. They are in no short supply, you know. There's plenty of matchups to be had. So let's see it. Let's see it. I like it. What's up, Juice? It's Punk Rock Dad, and we're going to go non-MMA right now. Uh, me and the family are actually getting ready to go pick peaches. So what is your favorite fruit, followed by what is your favorite activity to do outside? As always, rock on. Only way is MMA. We know you can't do this because you live in Scotland and it always rains. 
wah, wah, wah. Get a life. All right. Peace out. Love it. Uh, so that's, a, I guess, a two-part answer. So my favorite fruit, if I had to pick one, I mean, I love blueberries. Um, largely because they're health benefits, but they're also just really fucking delicious. So whenever I have, like, a smoothie, I always put blueberries in them. But if you give me, like, a nice, fresh, juicy mango, oh, there's nothing fucking better than that. I mean, that is just so great. Uh, and then um, as far as uh, w- what I like to do outside... There's a park, and I used to do this a lot in LA. They're, they're not um, they're not that popular here in New Jersey, but there's a park in uh, Homedale called I think Homedale Park, where they have like a track with little sort of like stops along the way that are like for um, exercise. Like you do push-ups on them. There's a pull-up bar. There's a dip bar. Like little things that you can kind of do while you get your cardio at the same time and kind of be out in nature. You know, getting a workout rather than a fucking sweaty ass gym with um, I don't know, insane people. So I like that. That's probably my favorite thing to do outside is like getting a workout, doing something fun, you know, hiking. Also, it's like being in nature. That's why I got married outside. We have the most beautiful wedding. It's like not even fair. You guys will never have a, have a wedding as good as we did. So sorry about that. But uh, great question, man. I love it. How's it looking fighting with myself? It's Genghis. Reppin' Asbury. Uh, I want to get your opinion on a fight that's never going to happen between a brick and a rock. Personally, I think the rock takes it. He's put together better. Uh, he's faster. Uh, the brick is red. Uh, as always, uh, fuck Tennessee. Uh, I love Jersey. I like the Giants. Uh, I got my hitters. I bang strippers. Uh, I don't like Scotland. Uh, Wallace. Uh, 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 I got another question? No, all right, all right, all right. I gotta go. I love that everyone decides to impersonate Genghis. We all know there's only one uh, Genghis. And um, there was a fake Genghis before on this podcast. It wasn't me. Uh, I don't know who it was, but he did a pretty good job as well. But there really, really is only one. Uh, who do I think would win between a brick and a rock? The fucking rock, obviously, would smash the brick. It's not even fair. All right, let's hear from the real Genghis. What it look like fighting myself? It's your boy Genghis repping Asbury. And all the real men out there, no drinking lime and prickly pear cactus is suspect as fuck. All right, last night's card, I didn't really do it for me. What about you? What was the worst card you ever sat through? All right, time to get to my fuck yous for the week. Got to send a big fuck you down to North Carolina. Losey. Only motherfucker I know to go to a family reunion and have an orgy. Uh, now I gotta send another fuck you to sit up in Boston. It's because he's a fucking Red Sox fan. I think he's a piece of shit. I want to say fuck you to him every goddamn minute of the day. Then I gotta send another fuck you over to Robert. You know you are, Robert. None of us probably see you because you're in the middle of a fucking lake wearing camo like a complete fucking ass backwards hick. What it be, would it be? Ah, right. I'll let you, boy. I love everything about this question. Let me just break it down for you. 
lime and prickly pear cactus beer. I have never had it. I did not even know it existed until last night. <laughs> Dude. You got to pay me to drink that. I'm not drinking that for free. That's for damn sure. The title of this message is Pam Drinks Lime and Prickly Pear Cactus. Oh my God. The worst card uh, I've ever sat through. That's tough, man. That's tough. Um, there was a Bellator, Bellator card once that wasn't particularly exciting. And I just, I hated myself after I watched it, but I can't remember which one it was. Um, I think there was a UFC one like that a long time ago as well. Uh, like one of the Brazil cards, I think. But, uh, usually there's at least something where I can go like, yeah, that was fucking awesome. I would say maybe this one. I mean, no, I'm sorry. San Antonio. That was, that was not, I like this card better than the San Antonio card for sure. So, so maybe that one, that San Antonio was not, was not great, but I love those fuck yous as well. By the way, um, the gentleman that he, uh, roasted there, Sid and, um, Robert, Robert is, I think, Braddy, Robert, Robert Braddy or whatever, the just fight guy. He's probably either fishing or drinking proper 12 right now, which is funny because I think Genghis is probably fishing while he's listening to this, which is fucking great. Dude, I, I love I love everything about that question. I can't get enough. The fishing. The fucking prickly pear cactus beer. I hope he bought a case of that prickly pear cactus beer just to fucking pour it in the lake. I mean, I hope he doesn't. That's terrible for the fish, but dude. All right, let's get into some other, uh, those are, that's it for voice questions. Keep sending in those. Um, keep it keep it interesting, keep it engaging, and it'll make it on the podcast. But let's get into some um, some of these questions from the forum, which were really interesting. We already went over Phil's question. Um, this one isn't a question, but I wanted to read it out. Um, this is from uh, Cerrone Noseblow at Luke underscore right 07. He says, um, I'm just here to ask for a public apology to be relayed to the people. I've been moving all day yesterday and more to do today. Forgot it was Saturday and missed fights. Now I'm back in the no voice question train. You fucked up, Cerrone Noseblow. You filthy casual. Just kidding. Love that guy. Um, but yeah, I guess he wants to apologize for not being able to uh, be a part of it. So sorry about that, guys. Next up, Mixed a Man, a.k.a. Mixed a Doo-Doo. <laughs> such, a, such a weird name. He says, thoughts on BKBFC? They've shown tremendous resiliency and lasted longer than I thought they would. Do you think they become a part of our MMA landscape, or do they eventually fizzle out as the novelty wears off? Interesting question. Now, they've kind of surprised me as well. And they have certainly done decent numbers if the reports are true. So they very well could. Um, it's going to be hard when not a lot of places regulate it. It just is. I mean, the UFC was in danger of being, you know, going bankrupt because of that. And then they had to fight for regulation. And now here we are. And um, other than that, if they can get everything, you know, all their ducks in a row with that. And uh, get some bigger names. They've gotten some pretty good ones so far. But if they can continue to do that. I think they have a place. And I certainly wish them well. 
Um, it's fun to watch sometimes. It can be a little brutal, but mostly just from an aesthetic, aesthetic standpoint with all the blood. But there are also some good-ass knockouts sometimes, so that's that's fun too. Still kind of unclear on the rules, but it's clear that they're targeting, they know that their fan base is more MMA fans um, who like the bare knuckle and um, certainly that's the stars that they're gravitating towards. So um, anything that can be boxing and alienate boxing fans, I'm all about because fuck that. And he said, number two, why in the Sam hell they got Valentina fighting on the ESPN Plus card? Promote this woman. Get her ass to Dunkin' Donuts for some sponsorship money and put her on one of the many great pay-per-views coming up or an ESPN card. A fucking talent agency, Endeavor, who owns UFC, of all people should know how to promote an affable Brazilian lesbian, world beater, and a blonde bombshell gun-shooting killer. Yet only Cyborg out here uh, with a mainstream sponsor slinging donuts, but UFC ain't about that business. Promote these women, damn it, they're amazing. I wanted to read all that and try to keep that energy I'm sure you had when you typed it uh, because that's a very... Good uh, response. I love that fucking energy. And yes, dude. And and here's the thing. The reason why Valentina is headlining a, an ESPN Plus card rather than being like a co-main on a good pay-per-view or uh, you know headlining a big ESPN card is simply numbers. And it, it, it's just unfortunate. Like her and um, you know coming up, we got Andrade and Wei Li um, also fighting on ESPN. I don't know if it's ESPN or ESPN Plus. I would think it's Plus because it's happening in China. So they probably want to take advantage of the... Uh, being able to stream and not have to compete with other time slots. So, um, yeah, dude, I think it's just numbers. They just have so many cards and so many champions with all these different divisions that they got to spread them out. I mean, with their policy of having to have every pay-per-view headlined by a title fight, um, there just aren't enough champions or there sorry, aren't enough pay-per-views to kind of get every champion on a pay-per-view. There's certainly enough champions to get every champion on a pay-per-view uh, or, or to get a a champion on each pay-per-view, but in terms of all the champions being able to fight on a pay-per-view with all their defenses, numbers-wise, it's just not possible. You know, so you have to kind of do that. But to your point, yeah, when they were playing that promo and showing her shooting the guns, I'm not a gun person, but I was like, this is fucking badass. Um, I love that. And she kind of ties it as a metaphor for, for fighting. I love it. And yeah, she speaks... Three languages. She speaks Spanish, English, and Russian. Get her fucking ass on, uh, I don't know, Telemundo. They need to promote the shit out of her. And fucking, speaking of, he, he mentioned the when he was alluding to the Brazilian lesbian, obviously talking about Amanda Nunes. Let's get Amanda Nunes on Ellen, dude. I want to see that. Her and Nina. Front and center. On that couch. I want to see it. All right, I want to um, also read this question from Imposter. He's got a voice message to go with it, but um, he sent it in audio as well, or not audio, but text. He said, uh, I've just got one question for this week's podcast, Juice. Why hasn't Elias, Elias Theodoro followed me back yet? Would appreciate it if you'd give me some insight on this upcoming episode. Well, I have some insight on that, uh, but I'll save it for after I play your uh, voice question because it's a, it's a cool one. I want you guys to hear from the Imposter. Oh, wow. 
kind of ridiculous at this point. Um, I don't know what, what, what blue and green guys got to do to get a follow back. What's your uh, take on this? Second thing, maybe, just wanted to touch on the uh, you know, chemo and depression and whatnot. strong and try not to get too down and uh, holler at me if you need to uh, be in on the depression part. I've been dealing with it all my life but it's been something major the past six years or so. I've intentionally overdosed four or five times had to be brought back by Narcan 3, but in the ICU on a 2 once, uh, hung myself once, shot myself in the head, got a cracked skull and bad memory for the rest of my life because of it. So I've been through some shit, man. Shouts out to all the people who uh, don't really like to name names because there's so many and I don't like to you know, leave people out. But uh, mainly, I want to give a big hey to uh, AJ the Giant because we all know he's the real star of Twitter. Alright, peace out, man. I love that. Right at the end, shouting out. Um... AJ the Giant, that's um, Punk Rock Dad's son, um, a.k.a. The Champ. Uh, one of the best parts of MMA Twitter, seeing them interact and seeing him grow up is just fucking awesome. So you're right. And yeah, I also hate shout-outs too because you never want to... I always always miss somebody. There's there's so many people you want to shout-out and you're always going to miss them. So um, sucks for that. And I, I just want to say thank you so much for sending that in. Um, I kind of like the, the cool... Uh, disguising of the voice it sounded like imposter was invading the airwaves uh, really love that and um thank you for being so honest about your story um, mental health is going to continue to be a dialogue about this podcast uh, we all got to support each other and you guys certainly help me each week just by listening and that is a big part of my um recovery from both the chemo and uh any depression that results from it so you guys are awesome. And um, Imposter, you're the fucking man, dude. Stay strong. Um, you're a big supporter of this podcast. And uh, I will always support you and your art because it's fucking great. And if you guys don't follow him, what are you doing? Go follow him. As far as uh, <laughs> Elias. Now, this is interesting. So I wanted to see. I was like, well, maybe Elias just doesn't follow many other people. And then I, I opened up his page and I saw that he was following like 1,600 people. I was like, okay, obviously he does follow an incredible amount of people because you can't really keep up with all of those. So, but then at the top of the list, the first thing you see when you open it is felony, Charles Bennett. Now, a few weeks back, or maybe it's closer to a few months at this point, um, Imposter got blocked by felony. And that was my first thought was like, well, maybe he saw that and it was like, I'm not going to want to get on Felony's bad side, but obviously 
it's probably flew under the radar. I don't think Elias pays too much attention to that stuff. But I was like, well, he probably doesn't follow by anyone else. And then I saw he followed McGregor Rousey, which is <laughs> so terrible. Um, and then he follows uh, my man Cashflow, who is uh, a great uh, supporter of this podcast as well. And I was like, maybe there's hope for you, imposter. So let's keep let's keep it uh, let's keep trying. I I, th- I think you'll get there. I think I think we can get, we can get a follow from Elias for you. That'll be great, man. But next up, uh, Derek Lewis's hot balls at Pixie Dust Twenty Six says, "What's the worst MMA fight injury you have ever seen?" Ooh, great question. That's probably stemming from that Mike Perry nose thing. That's certainly up there. You know, um, recency bias always plays into that. But um, one of the um, one of the worst things I can I can think of was. Um, Tim Sylvia breaking his arm um, against Frank Mir. I mean, that thing popped. It was like bent the forearm, like bent in half. And he was trying to tell Herb Dean, oh, no, I'm fine. Dude, your arm was fucking broken. So that was pretty bad. And the fact that that almost didn't get stopped. But of course, I mean, head trauma is worse. And we see tons of head trauma. I mean, Priscilla Cachoeira and Valentina Shevchenko. Mario Yamasaki robbed her of some memories, dude. <laughs> Let's be real. But yeah, I would say that's probably it. The Mike Perry nose thing um, comes to mind, but also Tim Sylvia. All right. Next up, we've got a series of questions from a man, Little Uzi Horizontal, at Uzi for Prez. Says, one, which was worse Title fight of Tyron and Maya, or this one being probably Valentina Carmouche. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Tyron versus Maya was probably worse. Although I didn't hate that as much as other people did. It just became very clear at a certain point, like oh you, oh Tyron's shoulders definitely injured, and um, Damian Maya is not gonna be able to take him down. So we're gonna see four more rounds of stalemates on the cage, and that's fine. Um, cause I, I love Damian Maya and I love Tyron Woodley. So, um, I didn't, I didn't hate that fight. I did get the booing at a certain point because it was clear that Tyron was like fighting to not lose rather than fight to win. But of course, when you find out his labrum is injured, it's like, of course it makes sense, you know, not trying to get any worse. So, um, that, those are my thoughts on that. That, that's why I probably don't hate it as much. But I, I get why if if you think Tyron and Maya is worse than this one, but um, yeah, I don't know. And they're probably on on par. Like I said, I I did not think the main event um, last night was boring as much as other people did. He also says, "Would you rather catch the Mike Perry nose job or Big Francis uppercut?" Oh man, oh man, I would probably see the Big Francis uppercut. Like that could li- I feel like the force. Beaton and I obviously don't get punched in the head uh, often, uh, let alone uppercutted. That fucking might break my neck from the force of just like snapback. So whether a broken neck or a broken nose, I guess a broken nose. I mean, uh, that can be fixed with a fucking good uh, plastic surgeon. So probably that, although it would require getting that nasty knee from Vicente Luque. Oh, I don't know. That's like, do you want to get hit by a car or hit by a truck? Like, what the fuck? Terrible question. Not terrible. I mean, t- 
terrible to answer. Um, and he says, best beer in the UFC, Tyron, Perry, or Connor? First of all, take Connor off that list. He is not amongst the best beards in the UFC. Um, I would rather I would rather put Julian Marquez on there rather than um, Tyron Woodley or fucking Emil Mech, dude. There's so many good beards in the UFC. Tyron's is pretty legit, though. Um, Mike Perry is just, like, fucking savage. It feels like um, after his fights, his beard is usually, like, covered in blood. So, like, I love that. So we might have to go Perry. But um, Tyron Woodley's got a damn good beard, too. And then he said, do you think Genghis could be Joey Diaz's long-lost son? We need DNA test ASAP. They sound just like... I disagree, man. I disagree. Uh, I don't think he sounds like Joey Diaz. Um, but I also have listened to a lot of Joey Diaz, and, and now I've listened to a good amount of uh, Genghis, and I just I think they're very different. But that's just me. And then he said, also, Luke versus Lawler, anybody? No, we talked about this. I mean, we didn't, but I've talked about it online. We got to have Luke versus Neil, which we did kind of talk about last podcast. Luke versus Neil and Lawler versus Perry. Both coming off of a loss, being Lawler and Perry, and then Jeff Neal and uh, Vincente Luque both coming off a win. That's the fight to make, dude. Those two. That's what I think. All right, this next question from Jay Brookley at Cradlin' Flames. He said, if you could set up one fight, lopsided or otherwise, in the same weight class, just to watch someone get their ass kicked, what fight would you arrange? <sighs> Good question. I would probably match up Greg Hardy versus Francis Ngannou or DC. That might be the one. Maybe I'm a sick son of a bitch for that. Who knows? Trying to think if there's anyone I want to see get their ass kicked more. I mean, I certainly don't want to see Colby win, but he's very good, and I don't know if I could set up a a lopsided match in the same weight class for him. So, mm. I mean, I'm usually uh, very happy when Luke Rockhold loses as well. But at this point, um, now, especially now that he's in two or five where they hit harder, any matchup is lopsided for him. Let's be honest. Yeah, probably gonna go with Hardy versus uh, Ngannou or DC. Fucking a. All right, this question is from at K Barlow season. Now, by the time you listen to this podcast, that may not be his handle. He changes it a lot, and uh, especially at the end of it, you're going to probably see him change it again because of his last question. But uh, you should find him. It's going to have G in the name, not the handle, but the name. Uh, It's going to have a red dot, a black dot, and a gray dot, and it's going to have probably SZN at the end. So find him that way. And it says, favorite ligament. Um, I'm fond of the ligaments in my ankle because, um, they've, uh, my right one especially has, uh, survived three sprained ankles and it's taken some damage, but it's held up pretty well. So, um, I would say that's pretty, those are pretty resilient, um, in my mind on, on my end. Then he says, Kenneth. Now, if you are from the UK listening to this, you probably know who Ken Barlow is. If you're not from the UK, you probably have no fucking idea. I have only a small idea. I was having an exchange between this man and... Um, oh, I forget the guy's name. Uh, but he has a profile picture with him and his son. And it's like really cool. Um, 
they were talking about um, something with regards to fucking soccer. I'm not going to call it football. And uh, they were showing me different fucking uh, soccer players. Uh, and uh, somehow fucking Ken Barlow got brought up. And the other guy was like, oh, my God, this guy. And um, and then G or whomever this guy is was like, oh, he's a national hero. And then all changes his profile to be about Ken Barlow. Like, oh, my God, what the fuck? I uh, can't keep up with this dude. Uh, no, I, I no idea who Ken Barlow is, dude. And then he says, God save the queen, which that's fine. And he says, how often do you clean your toilet? Uh, once a week? Bit of a weird one. Milk or cereal first? Cereal first, dude. I never understood people that put the milk first. What are you doing? First of all, there's nothing worse than uh, being done with your cereal and having a bowl of milk. Like, who the fuck wants that? Second of all, you got to get the ratio right. You got to figure out how much cereal you want. And then you got to slowly add the milk, let it kind of sit in, and maybe add some bananas or some fucking blueberries on top if you want to get creative. Milk or cereal first. What kind of psycho puts the milk first? That's so funny. And he says, would you rather have a superpower or be good at tings like Batman? I don't know if that's a typo or if you meant to say tings. I'm just going to feel like he did of course i'd rather have a superhero dude and let's say batman isn't interesting but uh batman is interesting because he's a fucking billionaire with access to just like everything uh so i I suppose it's more realistic but um fuck batman i think he's overrated it's all about marvel dude it's all about marvel it's all about spider-man and fucking the avengers thor fucking fuck thanos this guy's a Thanos fan. Fuck Thanos. Um, he says, um, what would you do if you saw Mike Perry hitting his own head in your car? I would probably lose my mind. Here's why. Like, I would be so happy that Mike Perry would be, would be in my car for some reason or like, I don't know, maybe he meant on it, it's outside. Either way, I would be like so fucking stoked to see Mike Perry. And then I would be like, dude, what the hell are you doing? We need that head of yours. We need it to not be taking much damage. We need some more wars. Come on, stop, stop. What are you doing? And then he probably would hit me. That That's probably the, the worst case scenario there. But yeah, awesome. Mike Perry, dude, fucking legend. And then he says, I want you to pick something to put as my profile picture. And you know what, Ken Barlow? We're going to have you put Captain America, the fucking savior. Captain America. That's it. And I don't care which iteration. You can find a fucking shitty cartoon one. You can find uh, someone doing it as a fucking Halloween costume. Or you can do the incomparable Chris Evans as uh, Captain America. You can even do one of just his ass. That's America's ass. I love it. Ken Barlow. What the fuck? Um, got a couple of questions from my man Bearded Stoner. Um, kind of sprinkled throughout here, so I want to highlight some of those. Um, he says, I like how Perry is settling in. Looks more and more technically sound in each fight. Do you have? Did you have him winning? Um, like I said, I did not, but I certainly don't disagree if you if you thought he did. I, I think it was very close, and there's a case for him winning, but I personally had it for Luque. Uh, but yeah, he is. I mean, the Oliveira fight, it actually felt like he stuck to a game plan. And this fight didn't look like he 
had a succinct game plan, but he certainly uh, was more technical and he had an answer for a lot of what Vicente had. But he did, um, I think, expend a lot of energy when uh, Vicente was just eating those shots. So so that sucked. But he absolutely is looking, um, you know, more and more sharp each fight. So his next fight, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to see what's next for him. Next question comes from FinFan12 says, what's next for the lady champs? Who do you see being beating Amanda or Valentina? And man, I don't know, man, because... So if we had gotten to see the rematch with Cyborg for Amanda, obviously Amanda felt like she put a stamp on it, beating her in like 52 seconds or whatever that was. But given how good Cyborg looked against Spencer, you know, I thought she could maybe come back and win uh, a rematch. At least it's not the craziest thing in the world, you know. It probably would be an underdog for good reasons, you know, on the betting side. But um, I could see her winning the rematch. But in terms of other people getting up there and beating her, I don't know. It's probably going to be someone at 135 because I think Amanda at 145 hits harder, doesn't have to cut much more weight. And um, obviously the, the competition is, is a little bit more slim, you know, in terms of high caliber opponents that are well known. Uh, but um, in terms of names, I don't know. She already beat uh, Gerandomy. So, and I'm not correcting the name. I'm going to keep calling her Geranomy. Uh Yeah, who is it really? It's got to be a specialist. Someone like, like a wrestler. Kat Zingano beat her. She was able to, to weather the storm and come back. I think Kat Zingano um, now, uh, I think Amanda would probably be favored if, in the rematch. But um, it's got to be someone like that with that style that can bully Amanda and wear her out and um, out grapple her, because I don't certainly don't see anyone out striking her. And as far as Valentina, like they both have given each other the the toughest fights uh, of their respective careers for the most part. So it's interesting. I don't think um, Valentina could win a rematch, but it's not the craziest thing. So so I I kind of I think that might be it. But 125 is so new and so shallow that I would probably see Amanda losing before I see Valentina losing. But there's there's also just not that many fights for um, for Amanda left, so we might see her retire undefeated. To be honest, we might see both these ladies retire undefeated. That's just so um, so interesting about their careers. <laughs> and then Chris Genghis Black says, "Have you ever seen a man drink lime and prickly pear cactus?" Hashtag fuck Pam. I love it. You know, generally I like to promote positivity on this podcast, but uh, the roasting is just so, so good. Just can't get enough. Love this question from Cyrus King, man. Cyrus King is a great follow on um, Twitter. If you don't follow this guy, you absolutely should remedy that right now. It's S-I-R-I-S-K-I-N-G. Yeah, shares a lot of like health stuff, but also great opinions. Um, on MMA and he says I'm finally not rushing my questions what is it about Valentina that stops her from being a megastar she might be the most skilled fighter in WMMA she is gorgeous blonde she's naturally connected to two huge markets Latin America and Eastern Europe 
yet casuals and hardcores are like blah. Why do you think that is? And that's interesting because I think it's probably because she's a little bit more soft-spoken, but also her reign is new and um, Endeavor hasn't figured out how to promote her yet. And she's not really interested in being a crossover star. Um, She's a lifelong martial artist. Her biggest passions are martial arts and guns. Um, And she doesn't um, connect with the typical gun-owning audience that we have here in America. So I don't see her getting over with that crowd. Um, It's it's hard. But yeah, there's something there. You're right. She's probably the most uh, one of the most skilled fighters in in not just WMA but MMA in general. And she's gorgeous, um, blonde. She, even though some of you guys think it's cringe, her dancing is cool. And she when she wins that Russian dancing, you know, fucking get her on Dancing with the Stars. That's what they should do, dude. Again, she's probably not interested in that because she would like she's like why I have to fight, but. When Paige went on Dancing with the Stars, she was just like so over with the uh, with the casual audience. I'm not that she wasn't already, but fucking get her on something like that. Yeah, I guess that's probably that's probably the way to do it. But they got to do something. They should. And then um, another one from a man, Genghis. He says, if Diaz pulls off the W, who do you think they match him up with next and who you want to see him fight next? Um, the only fight of Nate Diaz that interested me beyond the Pettis fight, I mean, before they announced it, I never even thought of it, to be honest. So there could be something else out there that I'm not thinking of. Um, well, okay. I'll say this. If he gets past him, the the really only one that I want to see is a Connor trilogy, and uh, and um, they both said that they would want to do it at fifty five if they do it, because um, it should have been at fifty five, uh, but Nate was too heavy. But then Nate also has said recently, and the only reason he took this fight is that he doesn't want to cut to one fifty five anymore. Um, he doesn't want to cut weight in general. He'd rather fight at one seventy um, if he's going to fight at all. Um, and the only other fight I'd want to see is him versus Tony Ferguson. But I'd rather see Tony fight Khabib or or Poirier, whoever wins that fight. But it's kind of interesting. I think we have to kind of wait and see what happens. But there there are some fights for Nate. They certainly are. And then um, Bearded Stoner again says, what did you think of Lucha Libre Kane? Oh, my God. Kane surprised the shit out of me. Those flips he was doing, dude. I mean, he looked acrobatic as shit. I think he should just stay and just do that. After seeing like how happy he was and how how over he was with everybody, um, I think he should just stick to that. Kane's got nothing left to prove in MMA. Really, if he had beaten Francis Ngannou, I mean, he's all of a sudden back in that title picture again. Um, I've wanted to see Stipe versus Kane. You know, the little luster of that is um, kind of gone at this point but it was a fight that interested me for a long time so um if um if stipe gets his belt back and um kane does come back to mma i'd want to see that but that's kind of it um beyond that i would rather see him in the the, the wrestling the pro wrestling is awesome and then he said should nunez and shevchenko fight each other who is next man I personally am not interested in a third fight, but eventually it's going to get to the point where they're both like going to clean out their respective divisions. Even Dana said 
um, at one point that he said maybe they, they fight for the baddest woman on the planet title years down the line. And that's kind of a possibility. He says he's not ruling out a trilogy even though Amanda won the first two. So that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't... I don't see anyone losing to them, but I'm also not really interested in a third fight. I'd rather see them kill off the contenders, if that makes sense. Even though we're probably going to see some some lopsided fights. Like, that's what you get. And this is a great question from um, Kenneth Robert um, at Mr. Underscore Tittlewinks. He says, how many more times do you think we see DC step into the octagon? Is this his last fight? Does he fight Jones again? Where does DC rank on your list of all-time greats as of right now? Great questions. And um, I want to say, win or lose, I don't want to say it's a foregone conclusion that he beats Stipe, even though I think he probably will. That's also part of my bias, and I'm willing to admit that. Um, If he wins, the Jones fight is the only other one that I want to see. And I want to see it at heavyweight, but they both said they'd rather do it at 205, which is so dumb. But um, that's really it for me. I I don't need to see DC versus anyone else. So I... I kind of hope he retires after this, win or lose. I think if he loses, he definitely retires because the shine of the Jones fight is kind of gone. I mean, the only really thing is if they do a champ versus champ, like that's the only way that it'll be more interesting. Like one of them coming up to challenge for the other's belt. So uh, that's kind of the only one I'd want to see. But if he loses, which is possible, I think he should retire. Because he's uh, already an all-time great. And as far as all-time greats, that's so hard. And and I'm not one of those people that compiles a list and and I don't um, rank because you're always going to have... The the, the pound-for-pound and the the greatest of all-time discussion is only made so people can argue about their their favorite fighters and things. I think it's like, you know, it's a a conversation about, you know, Daniel Cormier, GSP, Mighty Mouse, and John Jones. And any order you want to put that in is fine with me. That's kind of what I think. I mean, the fact that um, GSP avenged his two losses and then had, you know, came back and had an amazing performance against Michael Bisping after that um, three or four year layoff was just incredible. And um, for that reason, George St. Pierre probably is the best of all time, but DC is probably right up there. Um, in terms of skill, people always like to put in John Jones, but um, I don't know, his transgressions outside the cage and the, the, the popping for PEDs on multiple occasions like just taints the legacy, in my opinion. Same, same with Anderson Silva, for that matter, even though he had the you know 10 title defenses and was like on top of the world for the longest time. Um, that, um, that PEDs thing taints it, in my opinion. And then Joe Quigley, MMA, again, sorry about the song. You probably hate me, but um, you're an awesome dude, and um, thank you for listening to this podcast. He says, what happens uh, next for Valentina? Do we do a rematch with Nunes? We kind of already talked about it, but I just wanted to shout him out, highlight it because it's an awesome question. And yeah, I don't, um, I don't know what's next for either of them. I don't want to see a rematch from Nunes yet, if at all. And I'm glad this next person agrees with me, John Eckerwald. He says, "Did Mike Perry get robbed? I don't think so. Especially not robbed. Like, yes, you could call it a bad decision, or you could say it was the wrong call. I don't think it's a robbery." I think a robbery is when it was very clear and it's like, like what, what are the judges smoking? Like there is a case for him winning, but I don't think it's so egregious that we, we can call it a robbery. I just don't think we're there yet. 
but interesting, interesting talking point moving forward. And then um, J.L. Weimer at J.L.'s perspective says, who will give Valentina the bullet a real challenge for that belt? And I don't know, man. I could see Andrade maybe now I think about it. But to be honest, I don't know if um, Andrade will get past Wei Lee. I mean, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion anyway. Uh, but styles make fights. Like, it's interesting. If Whaley beats Andrade, do I think that Whaley versus uh, Valentina is an exciting fight? Yes, but I still think Valentina will find a way to win. Um, and I think the size will play into a, a lot and her skill. And they may, may a technical striking match in which Valentina would come up on top or use her wrestling. But Val- uh, Valentina versus Andrade to me is compelling because of and and like ferocity and her like iron chin um yeah like she when she fought Joanna she just kept coming forward and was like eating those shots even against Rose was just like walking her down and didn't give a fuck that's what I would like to see probably the most in my opinion but I also hate all those champ champ matchups um I don't think they're as compelling as they should be it's kind of old at this point it's not boxing we don't need that shit Stay in your fucking lane. All right. I love this question. This is from Hectic One. I look forward to these questions. He says, would you rather take a knee right to the nose from Luke or take devastating heel strikes to the butt while inside Liz Carmouche's guard? First of all, they're both terrible. However, that knee was like... It almost felt like Vicente put his foot below the canvas um, like it was going so he could actually come from hell and just ripped it right into Mike Perry's fucking nose, turned Mike Perry into a wrestler. If you guys watched the playback, Mike went for a double leg right away, and I was like, holy shit, Mike wrestling? Awesome. By the way, we never touched on this. I love that he booed the crowd. Not booed the crowd. He flipped off the crowd while they were booing him because he was in the clinch. That crowd was a terrible crowd. We'll get to that in a second. But that crowd was was not good. Um, but second of all, those heel strikes, first of all, I don't know if you guys know this, but I got a fat ass. I would eat those heel strikes all day. So yeah, I would, I would rather take those. Because first of all, fuck that knee. Second of all, I think I can handle it. And then this question is from, I, I never want to read it because, so the handle is broadcast underscore MMA, but then the name says MM, I don't know if it's MM Marijuana or MM M- Marijuana. I don't know, but either way, fucking awesome name because, yeah, love MMA and weed. He says, if Yoel wins next weekend, do we see him make his way back into the title picture? If he loses, what do you think makes sense for Yoel and Paolo for their next bout? Interesting question because I favor Yoel, but I do concede that Paolo can, you know, land a good one. But Yoel's just got such an iron chin and I don't see any other problems. Yoel can do whatever he wants with him. He can knock him out and he can slam him on the ground. He can ragdoll him. He can fucking, in my opinion, do whatever he wants to, to Paolo Costa. So overrated, by the way. Paolo Costa is so overrated. Um, But if he loses... What's next for him? He's got to go up to 205. I mean, at this point, he's going to wreck everyone else at 185 or, you know, at 187. Because let's face it, Yoel's missed weight a lot um, in his last few title title bouts. 
And it's a tough weight cut. Dude, the, the second Robert Whittaker fight, he looked like he was dying. They were limping him. Uh, he was limping in. They were holding him up to get to the scale. That shit annoys me, man. He said on a couple of times, like, yeah, I moved 205. He's he's worried about being small against all those, like, you know, six foot four, two, 205 pounders. Dude, be like a Lear Latifi. Don't give a fuck, dude. He's got to go to 205. If if Yoel win or lose, if he doesn't go to 205, I don't care about his next fight. That's that's what I think. But interesting question. And then Return of the Bearded Stoner, he says, would you rather take a gut, a punch to the gut from Francis Ngannou or a leg kick from Josie Aldo? Leg kicks all day, man. Are you kidding me? That fucking cinder block uh, with the force of a Ford Escort ramming into my gut, dude, I would be dead. I would immediately probably fucking fold up and then I would probably throw up from a fucking punch to the gut from Francis Ngannou. Are you crazy? I'd rather be on crutches for a few days than um, be in the fucking ICU from Francis Ngannou. Shit. And then we touched on this earlier, but I just wanted to highlight it just because kind of want to show great minds think alike. He he also says, do you think the UFC is missing out on atom weight division for girls like Watterson and Tish Torres? Yes. But I can see that there's already too many cards and not enough fighters to, like, not enough stars to fill them adequately. So I get why they don't do it. But I also think that sometimes you got to let people fight at whatever weight they want if they can safely make it. So um, they should be doing more catch fight, catchway fights. They did the first uh, women's flyweight fight in UFC history was Joanne Calderwood versus Valerie Letourneau. And that was not, uh, that was well before that division existed. They just kind of wanted to see what would happen with it and uh, see what kind of performance they gave. And we saw what happened. So if they, if they can safely make that weight class and they put on a more exciting fight because of it, because, of, you know, maybe cutting that extra weight, they're more light. Maybe their cardio is better because they had to run to, to cut the weight. Who knows? Let's give it a try. This next thing, dude. MMA God says, who's thirstier? MMA Twitter guys for female fighters or Jim Carrey's character from me, myself, and Irene? First of all, I love this guy at GodMMA. You got to go give him a follow. He made an edit that turned Mike Perry's arms into the fucking, or Mike Perry's nose that may, may look like biceps on fucking Brock Lesnar. Oh, it was so crazy. It made me laugh so hard. But fuck, man. Dudes on MMA Twitter are thirsty as hell. Not just for the female fighters, but for the other female accounts on here. And dude, if we're talking about people thirsty for female fighters, we got to we gotta talk about the other uh, female accounts uh, being thirsty for those fighters. There's plenty of, uh, of uh, female uh, accounts on MMA Twitter drooling over um, certain female fighters. Plenty of that, and I don't hate it. <laughs> I love what Pat said on the MMA Scope. Said, uh, I think it was talking about Shayna. What, what's the handle at Bullet Valentina? She said, uh, he said, whatever she, <laughs> I'm not going to get into it, but Pat, what you said on your show, I agree. And, um, uh, actually have her muted for that reason. Uh, cause I don't, I don't need that on my timeline, but, and she didn't follow me back cause I'm a, I'm a bitter bitch. I'll, I'll be honest about that. But to answer your question, Jim Carrey, <laughs> Who's thirstier? Definitely the dudes on MMA Twitter are more thirsty than Jim Carrey. 
and this question, I, I never know this guy listens to the podcast because he said he checked it out once, but then he says he doesn't know what podcasts are. I think they're only on YouTube. But it's um, it's Jamie, but worse than ever. Handle is at it's Jamie, but nice. This is his backup account. Apparently, if you're on MMA Twitter, you have to have a backup account because you're going to get suspended once a week. So dumb. I'm going to attempt to read it in his voice, even though he never sends in a voice question, so I don't know what he sounds like. He says, what's your opinion about the GOAT? It's Jamie Matey getting suspended. Should we start a petition to get him back? No. I'm not going to start a petition. Um, but RIP, um, it's Jamie Mate. And um, I guess we have to deal with uh, it's Jamie, but worse than ever. But uh, uh, honestly, I love this guy. The interactions on Twitter are fun. And uh, he hated me for the longest time because I would not stop uh, nagging him about listening to the podcast. And he finally did. So it worked. Played out. And uh, he also met Bisping, which was pretty fucking cool. And I'll miss I'll miss that account for the Bisping photo. If you add the Bisping photo to this account, then then we then we're cool again. Um, Want to highlight this? Um, Ryan Ryan McGurr at Evolved Outlaw said Mike Perry got robbed. If that fight is in the states, he is victorious. I do not think that the judging, um, the fact that it was a hometown crowd play, play played into Vincente Luque's advantage. Um, Vincente is from Chile and Brazil. Um, I do not think um, that played into it at all. Um, especially, I'm not going to call it a robbery. You may think you won, and that's fine. And, and I don't disagree. I personally had Vincente, but I can see a case for Perry. I absolutely can. So that's fine. And then Cheap to the Junk. This is a great account. I uh, love, love this account. It says, um, if DC beats Stipe again, does that climb him to number three all-time heavyweight between, behind Fedor and Big Nog? First of all, I think DC's already um, ahead of those guys, or certainly Big Nog. Fedor, back in the day, was a world beater. But um, those uh, allegations about the fight fixing and pride, I think there's some way to that. Uh, at least it needs to be looked into. They just they, they didn't fight the same when they came to the UFC. So there's there's a good talking point there. But yeah, dude, D, uh, Stipe was already like considered the greatest heavyweight of all time because of the title defenses. DC beating him twice would just put a stamp on it. I mean, absolutely. No question. And and people and and I said earlier that I didn't I don't really see DC as a heavyweight when I talk about my favorite heavyweights. Um and DC's you know on the short list for, for one of my favorite fighters, but um he had most of his career fights at heavyweight. I think it was like his first thirteen fights were at heavyweight or something like that. And he um won the strike por- strike force heavyweight grand prix. I mean he dumped Josh Barnett on his head and did some amazing things at heavyweight and then beat um, Frank Mir, he'd be Roy Nelson in the UFC. He he was like gonna be next in line for the title, but but his his friend Kane was the champion at the time, so he dropped down to 205. And we just knew him more because of that, because all of a sudden he could be in title contention. You know, the Jones fight really put him over. Um, well, initially not, but at least got him in into the um in into people's radar of of you know, fight fans. So people think of him as more of a, of a light heavyweight, but he's had more fights at heavyweight and done his best work there, arguably. So yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Uh, and then trance LFC says, if you had matchmaking rights for one night, who would you pick for a whole card top to bottom? And this is a great question. 
I don't know if I have time to really give it the um, the, re- the the attention it deserves, and I might come back to it next week. But I wanted to thank you for your question because it's awesome, and I think we're going to I think we're going to come back to it. Nunez Nation. Hashtag Nunez Nation, hashtag Go Nunez, hashtag says, what would a super fight between Valentina Shevchenko and Jessica Andrade do for their careers? And dude, I said this earlier, I'm into it. But I, I also think we need some more defenses for, for both of them. Um, we need to probably see um, Shevchenko versus Chukagian. Um, she's probably next. I think they're probably going to make that fight soon. And then um, if Andrade gets past um, Wei Li... Um, I don't know if we need to see, you know, her versus Tatiana. Do we need to see the winner of uh, Watterson, Jacek? Do we need to see the Rose rematch? Maybe there's some other things for, for Andrade to do in her division before she goes up. But I would absolutely be into that fight. I think that would do tremendous things for their careers. It's particularly, like, Valentina's already seen as a world beater, and Andrade is seen as just, like, a, a tank. You know, she's definitely very good. But... If she get if she gets more defenses under her belt, it does more for her career if she if she moves up. Like Henry Cejudo winning the belt, um, having one quick defense and then moving up, uh, is not as impressive as someone cleaning out the division and then moving up. You know they they've got a lot of work to do. So if if Andrade can get more defenses on her record, um, then I want to see it. And uh, lastly, Nathan Mills says, what did you think of the UFC Uruguay crowd? I felt they were awful. Dead silence when there was action, booing fires for clinching, losing their shit at any groundwork. Feel it pressured some of the referees to stand it up, back up early. And yeah, dude, that was weird. So Osiris Maya did this once where he stood him up where it felt like it was from um, pressure from the audience. And that's Damian Maya's brother. Like, how are you not seeing what they're doing there um, on the ground? And maybe maybe they were sort of in a stalemate. You know, I'm not so like egregious or, uh, you know, I'm not so upset about egregious standups, but um, it felt like there was some on this card, particularly when it comes to the booing from the crowd. Yeah, the crowd was not good. And what it comes down to is like, this is the first time in this market. I think they're probably more boxing fans than MMA fans. And so they don't really know what they're looking at. That's all, that's all I can think of. I just, they were just like an ill-informed crowd. Um, I don't think they were terrible. And there was only one fighter from Uruguay on the card. So interesting there. And then um, the last question I wanted to highlight here was um, was from uh, Jimmy the Drunk at um, Paroli Proud. He sent me this list and said, "What? there's two, two lists basically. And he says, what team from whatever list has the most future champs? And it's an interesting question because he's and, and um, uh, maybe maybe we'll share it so we can get some um, feedback from you guys. I would love to do that with his permission. Uh, so look for that to, to drop after this episode drops. But um, um, he's got some dominant uh, the fighters that he picked are in weight classes where there's a dominant champion or at least a seemingly unbeatable champion. So it's a really hard question. I'll try and break it down quickly. List one has Ian Heinish, Aljamain Sterling, Calvin Cater, Gregor Gillespie, Jeff Neal. Um, Oleg Siechuk, I think it's Michael Oleg Siechuk, that's that P- Polish juice head that fought Khalil Roundtree, and then Curtis Blades. List two has Edmund Shabazian, um, Corey Sanhagen, Zabid Magomedsharipov, 
um, Islam Makhachev, Vicente Luque, Johnny Walker, Alexander Volkov. It's tough because a lot of those divisions are very competitive and um, and the, the champion is, uh, is pretty dominant. But they also are, he picked some like really hot prospects. So it's tough. I lean toward list one having the most future champs. And that's just because of matchups and timing. But I want to get some feedback from you guys on this. I love this question. And um, I think we can all weigh in on it. I think that would be cool. So um, that's it for the forum. Without further ado, let's preview UFC 241, baby. All right. Opening up the main card, we got Derek Brunson versus Ian Heinish. Of course, we're talking about UFC 241 taking place in Anaheim, California. Um essentially my birthplace. I always get excited when they come to Anaheim. And they've done this twice in a row. Um, where around the February mark, they've booked a card for Anaheim and then moved it. Um, and I think both times they, they moved it to Brooklyn. I think it was first UFC 208, and then it was uh, uh, the ESPN Plus, the first the, the inaugural card. Uh, Anaheim deserves good cards, so this is... This time of year, they always come with amazing cards, like the, with UFC 214, you know, a few years back or, or last year, whenever that was. And then um, Derek, uh, this this fight, uh, 241. So opening up, we got Derek Brunson versus Ian Heinish. Um, quick shameless plug here. You, you guys know I'm all about plugs. On my other podcast, Mixed Martial Opinions, we just dropped an episode about Ian Heinish. Uh, I'm a fan of this dude. If you haven't already, um, they did uh, an article about him, I think, in the Players' Tribune or the Players' Voice. And what they do is they interview the fighter or the athlete, and then they write an article in the first person as if it's that person telling their story. So it's really compelling. It talks about him basically fleeing the country when he was charged with some had some drug charges, and then. Um, basically getting into the same thing overseas and landing up in prison in the Canary Islands and tons of interesting stuff there and getting into fighting there. We said basically saved his life and um, he found God. So it kind of talks about that. And uh, I just think it's a really interesting piece and he's got a hell of a backstory. And to come from that and to be like a well-adjusted um, human being who's um, basically a killer uh, dominant in the ring, or the in the cage rather um, is awesome, and I see him giving Derek Brunson some problems. Um, Derek Brunson's biggest um, asset is his left hand and uh, his wrestling, and I see Ian having an answer for all of that. Um, uh, Derek Brunson impressed me against Elias because he was kind of the only one to not play into Elias's game, and uh, usually Derek Brunson likes to bum rush people, and he was very patient against Elias. Um, but if he kind of doesn't bum rush Ian, I think he's going to be in a world of trouble. I think if he lets Ian get in his face and get his game plan going, it's going to be a tough night. Now, he could have the wrestling to stuff Ian's takedowns. That's very possible. You know, it's interesting to see who's the stronger guy who who has better wrestling. Um, but Ian, I think, is probably more durable at this stage of his career. He hasn't been knocked out. Um, I don't know. I don't even think he's been wobbled. So... This is a this is going to be a gritty fight. I think it's going to be um, an important fight at 185. I think the winner of this is going to get a, a good matchup next that could propel them into the top top echelon of that division. So I'm I'm interested in this fight a lot. 
I, I said that it didn't add um, anything to like the pay-per-view, but um, I'm glad that it is on the main card. I just, I don't think it like, you know, people that are, that the pay-per-view buying audience are really into this fight, but I am. And then um, next up, we got Gabriel Benitez taking on Sadiq Youssef. And uh, Sadiq Youssef is a, a hot prospect in MMA, I think. I think he's going to be a future champion. I could be wrong. He's in a tough division. Uh, this is featherweight, but I'm interested in this fight a lot. I lean Sadiq, but uh, Gabriel Benitez is no slouch, so this could go his way as well. I like fights where you can't really, you know, at least like on paper, like predict it right away. Because there, if there's one thing I hate, it's a predictable fight. And um, if it's a seemingly predictable fight and then you get surprised, that's awesome like one of my favorite things about mma is the unpredictability and uh that's kind of what i think is is what we got here on this card a lot of that you know um i am leaning heavily toward ian heinish but who knows Derek brunson could pull it off so so that aspect of it is is appealing to me and this fight is appealing to me for that sense as well i think it's a good chance it goes to decision i think these first two fights are going to be that way um that that could mean we get some bangers. It could mean a few wars. So I'm into that for sure. And then we got Yo Romero versus Paulo Costa. Now I touched on this earlier. Uh, I think Yoel is just better than Costa in most areas. He's obviously better at wrestling, and um, I think he's proven to be a better striker. But I don't know that f- for sure. Paulo Costa's best aspect is his striking he's certainly got more kicks in his arsenal than yoel does i don't see yoel throw a lot of kicks he's just got heavy hands and he throws them often and he throws them accurately uh so i mean yoel kind of likes to to throw a few leg kicks to kind of throw off his opponent and you know get into boxing range but he definitely throws throws hands more and Paulo Costa does have good kicks. I'll give him that. But I, I just, I just, for some reason, when I envision this fight, I see you all being dominant, and that, of course, could be changed if he has a terrible weight cut. Now he, he had a terrible weight cut against Luke and Robert Whitaker, but ended up giving us an amazing performance both times. So who knows? That's what's so interesting to me is like we've seen him. It's been, all, all I think, over a year since he last fought. So there's some questions there. But it's also been a long time since Paulo Costa fight, fought. Who knows, man? I'm looking forward to this fight a lot. I think it's going to be fireworks. If it's a first-round knockout, I think I probably will be disappointed. I predicted, I think on verdict, I think I predicted a third-round knockout. Uh, uh, for, uh, for your wealth's favor. I don't like to give my picks on here because uh, my opinion doesn't matter as much as um, it should um, for, uh, you know, against other podcasts, anything that you guys listen to. So I don't think anyone's listening to this to get my actual picks other than I do like to throw my bias on certain fighters, which you guys know, that's not new. Moving on, we got Anthony Pez versus Nate Diaz. So I would not be surprised... I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. But I would not be surprised if Diaz can catch a submission on on Nate. However, it's probably one of the least likely outcomes because Pettis has got very underrated jujitsu. 
especially off of his back. You get some. He's got some nice guillotines and triangles on his record. Um, you know, he submitted Michael Chiesa, who's a very good grappler. He submitted Charles Oliveira, who's a very good grappler. So he's very underrated in that aspect. But Nate, uh, his jiu-jitsu and his boxing is like his two best things. But I don't see this fight going to the ground. I really don't. Uh, I think it's going to take place mostly on the feet. Um, I think Pettis is going to try some wild shit uh, like he did um, against Tony Ferguson, like he did against Wonder Boy with that jumping Superman hook. That was awesome. I think he's going to be high off that victory. I just I just see this fight going a little bit more in Pettis' favor. Um, but that's not to say that Nate couldn't get it done. I am a I am a fan of Nate. I don't know. See, this is why I love this, because it's so unpredictable. At least in my opinion. Like I said, I'm kind of predicting Pettis, but I could be wrong. That's why I love it. I don't want to be talking about predictable fights on this podcast. We want to talk about unpredictable ones. And that's uh, that's an unpredictable fight, in my opinion, for what we've seen now. I think... The first round is going to determine a lot of this fight. I think whoever can kind of get their game plan going early is going to have success. Um, I think if Nate can get in his face and make it a dirty fight, um, that favors Nate. But if Pettis can um, can stay at kicking range and um, he's going to use leg kicks a lot, be prepared for that. And I think, but I think that could favor him. I just like I like both of them at 170. I like that they're both not wanting to cut weight anymore. I'm loving that. I'm just I'm just super into this fight, man. UFC 241. Um, if you're in attendance, sh- um, hit me up because um, I want to know what the vibe is like. Um, I love Anaheim. The Angels are probably one of the only sports team I ever care about because of the fact that I went to an Angels game when I was little and I'm in the movie Angels in the Outfield and I'm from that area. So I'm into it, man. And now the main event of the evening. And the more I talk about this fight, the more I have a feeling I'm going to eat my words. Obviously, I opened this podcast with saying that I think DC is going to win. And that's A, because of my bias that I, I just I love DC. Uh, but also, the way the first fight went down, there's a lot of Stipe fans that um, talk about the eye pokes. But um, first of all, I think eye pokes are just a thing that happens in MMA that's a little bit unfortunate. And we should be mad at the refs for not policing it as well as they should and not be mad at the fighters who do it. Um, unless it's someone like uh, John Jones who seems to fucking poke people in the eye all the time, or um, I, I can't think of of anyone off the top of my head who does it like egregiously as much as John Jones does. To, but DC is not one of those fighters. I think DC has been susceptible to a lot of eye pokes, just because he fights a lot of taller guys. So that's not something that whatever. But I saw a couple people sharing a clip that made it look like Stipe landed the first eye poke. And I'm not one of those like, oh, you know, who who did it first? But if you're going to talk about eye pokes changing the trajectory of the first fight, that that's, should be part of the conversation that they were done from both sides. So that's just my opinion on that. And um, what I saw, and, and Stipe was dominating the first part of the round. 
but what I saw was DC feeling him out. And DC said this afterward. He said that he he likes to get hit initially to kind of see um, the guy's power and see what they got. He said that he felt like he could take Stipe's best shots. And um, in terms of the wrestling, um, he felt like he was stronger in the wrestling, even though Stipe was initiating it. Um, he might have even taken Cormier down at first. But, I mean, even Rumble took DC down. I think he just kind of, like, people can get in on DC's legs and, and bully him, but you're not going to hold DC down at all. So I, I don't, I don't see that being an advantage for him, for Stipe in this fight. So it just seems like all the, the tools are in DC's favor. And the fact that he won that first fight so dominantly is going to give him confidence. Hopefully he doesn't come in over cocky. So this is another thing, man. Like the more I talk about it, the more I'm realizing the, the benefits for Stipe, but I'm still gonna go DC. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta stand behind DC. The uh, the clip of him talking about his uh, the death of his daughter. I can't wait to watch that whole E60 um, piece that they put together on him. It just it looks like it's gonna be amazing. And um, I knew about the things he's been through with the death of his daughter and um, his stepdad getting getting murdered by his uh real dad i think or whatever on thanksgiving of all days like just awful but i've never heard him talk about those things specifically and as openly as he did in this piece i'm i'm really looking forward to it um already gonna tell him to cry i already teared up a little bit from that just that clip of him talking about his daughter um just just a guy who's been through that much it makes me think like he the, the fact that he hates losing, he remembers getting losing to this guy, Carmen Cortez, you know, early in his wrestling days as a kid. The fact that he still remembers those losses and remembers the losses to Kale Sanderson all those times, like, that's a that's a competitor. That's someone who wants to, to come out on top. And DC at heavyweight, to me, is just, he seems unbeatable, so... I'm really looking forward to this fight. I actually think it'll go the distance, um, or at least the the finish will probably come in the championship rounds. Um, I think DC, uh, Stipe is going to learn from the mistakes that he made in the first fight. So um, I see it being a longer fight. I just I see DC coming out on top, but that's just me. Um, so again, if you're a Stipe fan, I'm sorry, and then and feel free to um, make me eat my words if uh, Stipe wins because you'll deserve it. Um, I know uh, there's a lot of people that are going to be on top of the world if Stipe wins, and you should be. I'm going to be happy for him too, but got to go with my man Cormier. I love I love me some DC. So with that, we're going to wrap up this podcast. Um, actually, before we do, we have a, a late submission from, from the imposters. Let's play that real quick. Oh, confirmed. He got the follow back from Elias. Yes, I'm all about it. Um, cool, man. Elias is the shit. And I feel like he's one of us, too, um, like watching fights and stuff, you know, and interacting with fans. So I love that. Um, that's good news, man. That's a great way to end this podcast. Um, and so with that, um, 
I want to thank you for all being a part of this and uh, sending in the submissions every week. You're awesome. And it, uh, I get emotional, uh, every week when I record this podcast, because, uh, I did a, the other one that I have talked about on here, mixed martial opinions. We did that for over a year. And, um, the only people listening are, were like people that n- knew us personally and it still wasn't enough. And, and the people that um, knew about it didn't listen. And I was thinking like, I have been there for you and you're not going to be there for me. But then I come into this community on MMA Twitter and the fucking support that I received uh, like right away just blew the roof out of anything I ever expected. And the engagement that we have on the forum and sending these awesome fucking voice questions and people roasting each other and looking forward to you know hearing comebacks from each other on the podcast. It's something that uh, just makes my fucking week, man. Uh, you guys get me through uh, hell basically um, every week. So so thank you for that. And uh, keep keep engaging on Twitter. It's the best part of my week. So uh, with that, you can follow me at FWM underscore pod on both Twitter and Instagram, even though no one is on Instagram anymore because it sucks. It's terrible. Um, there's actually a few people that listen to this podcast that follow me on Snapchat as well. But uh, Snapchat is like a weird medium for me. I'm kind of done with it. I just think it's like, it's fun when like certain people find me on there. It's kind of cool. But um, other than that, if you have any questions that you want to talk about on the podcast, anything feedback from this, you can always shoot me a DM or an email. Um, If you're old, um, that's fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. That's always open. And that's a good way to get longer questions in as well. Imposter sending that um, long two and a half minute question through email and anchor has a one minute limit on voice messages, which is dumb, but, um, thanks again for all the support guys. And until then, good night and good fights.